Welcome to CTSNet to Go, bringing your discussions about the most relevant topics in cardiothoracic surgery. The Cardiothoracic Surgery Network, known as CTSNet, aims to connect the global cardiothoracic surgical community through communication, collaboration, education, and interaction among cardiothoracic surgeons and their teams across the globe. Learn more at ctsnet.org. My name is Shanda Blackman, and I'm just one of the hosts of CTSNet to Go. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to this CTSNet interview with the giants of cardiothoracic surgery. My name's Joel Dunning, and I'm here at the STS in Phoenix with Professor Peter Capitan. Peter, thank you very much for coming to talk to us. I hardly know where to start with all the things that, that you do at the moment, but, uh, but you're a professor of cardiothoracic surgery in Erasmus in Rotterdam. You do cardiac surgery, you do thoracic surgery, you do transplant surgery. Uh, you've been Secretary General of EAX since 2009, and now EAX is the world's biggest meeting uh, with you at the helm. Uh, you've been Principal Investigator of Syntax, Excel, Partner, Certavi, uh, and uh, I had a little look at how many papers that you're a co-author of, and it's 336. Oh, wow. uh, but that was yesterday, so <laughs> right. it's probably a few more now. And if that's not enough, you're actually president of CTSNet and you've guided us to the success we've had in the last few years. So thank you very much for coming to talk to us. But uh, maybe I could start. I mean, how did you uh, come to become a surgeon? What inspired you to become a surgeon? Actually, it was quite early in my medical school already that um, in Leiden, where I um, went to university, at the Department of Cardiac Surgery, there was an opportunity for students to work with the nurse at the intensive care to take care of patients after the operation. And that already existed since 1958 when they started to do cardiac surgery in Leiden. And the professor then that day, he was sleeping next to his patients. Uh, there was one patient per week or sometimes two per week. But when that increased, he could, of course, not stay in the intensive care unit to, to look after the patients. And so then there was no intensive care nurses uh, available at that time. They, they didn't exist. So he asked medical students to help him. And that's how that started. And so since 1958, there was this opportunity to, for students to work in the intensive care unit. So you worked uh, in the evenings or at night. Um, and depending on the workload, they asked one or two students to come and help uh, to look after patients. And that's why I became interested in cardiac surgery because you know I always want to go to the OR when the patient had to go back for a rethoracotomy for bleeding. I always then try to go you know, and watch it. And uh, so that's why I started actually. And then I started to do research at the department. And that's, you know, finally it turned out to be a training position and then I became a cardiac surgeon. And who were your greatest mentors? Who, who taught you everything? And so Huismans was the professor at that time in, in Leiden. And he, of course, made that possible, you know, that there were still students. He favored that very much. And there was a lot of pressure in that time, you know, to try to reduce costs in hospitals. And, and as soon as the economy went down and the hospitals had to save money, they said, well, maybe we should get rid of those students first. Um, and, uh, but he always said, no, this is a great way of teaching people already early in a career what it is to work at a department. And so he was a great inspirer for this. And he was also at that time uh, uh, the president of ESCTS. And, um, and when CTSNet started, um, there were two residents in, in Baltimore, in Johns Hopkins, that worked on the resident section on CTSNet. And then they wanted to also have a European uh, partner. And, and then he said, well, maybe that's something for you that you can help with CTSNet. And so with those two guys from, from Baltimore, we started the resident section at CTSNet. 
Yeah, fantastic. So, so many things I want to ask, and uh, uh, you obviously have uh, led on syntax trial and things, but uh, how do you do a set of grafts? Are you on-pump, off-pump, arterial? How do you do it? Yeah, so actually, um, the off-pump surgery never became very popular in, in the country, in the Netherlands. And I think at a certain moment, at the height of, of off-pump surgery, I think about 20% uh, of the patients were, doing, were done off-pump. And then, of course, when all the trials showed that actually there's not a lot of difference between on and off pump, and maybe in some patients even a little bit worse, then it stopped completely. So I did a couple of off pump cases when it was an easy, let's say, occlusion of the LED, and you could do it easily. And we start learning that as a resident to do off pump. But as soon as I finished my residency, it was already declining the number of operations. So I do always do it actually on pump, you could say, in 99% of the cases. Yeah. Um, try to do double mammary artery grafting as, as if that's possible, especially in younger patient population. I think for the elderly, some people argue that even in the 85 years, it's beneficial to do double artery mammary grafting. I don't believe in that so much. And you really have to show first that it is beneficial for the patient before you, um, yeah. And a 70-year-old, what, what would you use for the third graft? So we actually always do Y grafts. I always do Y grafts. Never use then a third one. Okay, yeah. No, so radio arteries, only when we know that one of the memory arteries is not, you cannot use it, then we would use a radio artery, but um, very limited. Okay, and uh, so a 75-year-old comes with severe aortic stenosis, bit of diabetes, what should they have? Stenotomy AVR, mini AVR, TAVI, what should they have? So at the moment, I would say uh, surg surgical AVR, but I think that will change very soon. I think that in the coming years we will see a, a change, a shift, and that also the 75-year-olds will get TAVI. So now the trials are starting in low-risk patients. Uh, two companies have already announced, uh, well, Edwards has already permission to do a TAVI study in low-risk patients. And I guess that Medtronics and Jude will follow quite rapidly with another study that's also showing low-risk patients what the benefit is of TAVI versus surgery. Um, so... And less, less invasive AVRs, sutureless valves, you don't think that can beat... The tabby, cannot beat it. The cannot tabby wave. No, I think the sutures heart valve is, of course, an interesting concept, and and hopefully it's a benefit for for patients, and especially those that still need surgery. You could say a sutures heart valve may be of benefit, uh, but um, I think it, if if that would have been launched 20 years ago, it would certainly have found its place. But uh, with Tavi, that's a, a difficult competition. So you run the residency program uh, at your hospital. Um, maybe you could say a few words about you know, what residents are due mixing academia versus clinical work and maybe what the future of uh, training might be in cardiothoracics. Yeah. So I think, of course, for a resident, the most important thing is that they learn to, how to manage the patient, the, 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 the hospital, the, the department, and to be a good surgeon. That's, that's number one. I think for residents, it's also important to learn to do research. Um, I th because we... Normally, they now finish medical school at a very early age. They finish a residency when they're 30, 31 years of age. And then you have to work until maybe 70, you know, because we will hire the age of retirement. So then to stay motivated for 40 years <coughs> in cardiac surgery, I think you also have to have a little bit broader vision. And, and I think with doing research, you get a broader vision on how you can improve the patient outcome. So I think it's important that they also do some research. Um, and usually they do it before they start a residency program so that they can do their PhD and then when they finish that they can then apply for a, a training position. 
Do you think in 10 years, 20 years' time, people are going to be able to do the, the wide range that you do? I mean, you do everything. Is that, is that going to carry on in the future, no. or people specialise? People will specialise even more. We all, in, in our department, we already do that. So that there are two colleagues that mainly focus on aortic surgery. Uh, with four, we focus more on, the, on, on thoracic surgery. Uh, we don't do esophagectomies. We only do lung surgery. Uh, but um, then, and others concentrate on congenital. I think it will specialize even further that there will be guys that do only do coronary surgery, valve surgery, or valve implantation, or, or a mixture of, of two types of operations. But I think it's, you know, it's, it's difficult if you say you do aortic surgery, the elective cases, <clears throat> and then when a patient with an acute dissection comes in, that everybody should do, be able to do it. So those are the more difficult ones. And then, well, if you never do, let's say, the elective cases, it's even more difficult to do a, a dissection. So I think people will specialise further. Yeah, so maybe, maybe as we come to the end of this, let's talk a little bit about EACT. It's an absolutely fantastic organisation, the world's biggest conference, and, uh, but they do loads of other things as well in the year. So maybe, maybe give us a little feel for, for, for EACT in this coming year. Yeah, so uh, the coming year we will have a couple of courses. We run courses in Windsor. Uh, especially focusing on residents, um, what we call the level one program, where they learn about anatomy, physiology, pathology, uh, making decisions about you know, patients, what kind of treatment they should, should get. Then um, we have also the level two and three. Level two is an, a course in our annual meeting on a specific topic. Mitral valve repair is an example, where we also have live surgery during that session. The level three is a uh, where we organize courses in hospitals with uh, live transmissions from the OR with a limited number of participants, 100, 150. We will have a mitral course, for example, in Leiden in, uh, in November. And then we have a level four and five. Level four is that you can go and visit the hospital and learn how to do, for example, minimally invasive mitral surgery with a small group of people, let's say two or three, and be in the OR and see how people do the operation, you stay there for a couple of days. And level five is a proctorship, so that a surgeon you can invite to come to your hospital to help you starting the first cases. Again, for example, minimally invasive mitral surgery. All those kind of things we are you know, thinking about and wanted to start, but we don't know how to start it. I think a lot of people are looking for a little bit of help. So I think EX could be the one that the links the, the, the people that can provide the, the training and the ones that are looking for training. That's fantastic. Well, well done with all your amazing leadership in Kaiser Asics. Uh, uh, what do you do in your spare time? Um, yeah, little. <laughs> little, spare, any, li little, sleep. little spare time. Sleep. Well, yeah. well, no, I, like, I like good food and cooking and yeah, that's, that's <laughs> right. a hobby. Yeah, well, well done for all your amazing activities and for myself and everyone at CTSnet, I'd just like to say thank you very much. Thank you well, Joel. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to CTSnet to go your resource for podcasts focusing on cardiothoracic surgery. Find more discussions as well as surgical videos and other cardiothoracic surgery resources at ctsnet.org. You can also keep up with CTSNet by subscribing to the YouTube channel at CTSNet Video, by following at CTSNet.org on Twitter, or by liking CTSNet's page on Facebook. I'm Shanda Blackman. Thank you for joining us on this latest episode of CTS Net to Go. Have a great day.